0: hi. So we're going to do things a little differently. Oftentimes when there's a teacher, right, it's all about supplying answers, right? It's all about helping people figure out complexities of theology, and how we should think about God, and how we should think about ourself. Um, it's interesting, in Jesus' ministry, you know, he would always speak in parables, and, and when the disciples asked him why he spoke in parables, he said it was to confuse everyone. <laughs> and it, and it, he wasn't always being the most helpful. He wasn't always telling everyone exactly, step by step, what they ought to be doing, or the ways that they be sh- should be thinking. Instead, he put them in a position where they needed to question, and they needed to start relying on Jesus himself and on God himself to to provide an answer, and it wasn't so. He he stirred people up. If you start when you when you go back into the Word and you start reading um, and just you know read through through the you know the Gospels and start seeing like the pointed questions that Jesus asked or yeah that he asks people or the way that he responds to people's questions, they're not always that helpful. They're really not. Um, And so I'm going to ask you some questions, and you can raise your hand and answer them, and then we'll talk about them a little bit, probably. The goal, eventually, is to touch on the presence of God, and what is this presence of God? Um, And just as a premise, I would like to say it is the very manifestation that occurs in our relationship of trust in the person of God. So just like Jesus is asking questions, you know, bothering people you know, in, their, in their minds, and their comprehension, the way they understand things, what he's ultimately trying to get them to do is come to a place of relying on him as a person rather than certain ideas or thought processes. Okay? So the presence of God, and the way that we're going to talk about it right now, is the, the way of relating with the person of God is through that relationship of trust. Okay? But that's, it's not, that's not a very clear concept. And so maybe... That'll become more clear. Maybe it'll just bring up more questions, which is okay because then we'll end up having to rely on him to provide the answers anyway. Amen. So, why am I up here? Because you're awesome. First question. (laughs) You can raise your hand. Why Why am I standing here, with a microphone, talking to you? Okay, because I'm awesome. But what am I What am I doing? For what? bring glory to God for war, for war. <laughs> freedom <laughs> I'm teaching right I'm presenting why, why 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 is that needed why do you why do you come to sit and listen to someone tell you things to learn to be encouraged, to be encouraged. understanding, understanding. Gets us to think, faith, Faith. grow, Grow. glory to God. So in in all these things that we're going to look at, we're going to look at a few different things besides teaching. There's a way to to navigate learning and teaching thought processes in a way that is outside of of a trust relationship with the person of God and there's a way of, of walking that out that is this intimate that is out of this intimate union this dependence on a very person that's it's not just about conceptual knowledge okay and that and that's it's a, it's always a struggle sometimes for me to to stand and teach because what i don't want to do even to myself is to start talking and frameworking ideas and concepts just so that we end up having a lot of opinions that, that's not the goal. I, I do have a lot of opinions, and they get me in trouble a lot of times because sometimes they are um, outside of, like, an intimate relationship in that moment, um, and that's not good. Let's look at a, at a scripture. Um, why do we teach? Hang on. We're going to take a step back from that. Why are we here? What? God created us. Well, why are why are we in this room together? Why are we all here? We love the Lord. We love, the Lord. love each other. Love each other. Body heat. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's why they call it. That's, that's why they call it housewarming, right? You get enough people in there, the house warms up. So turn to Matthew 16:13 through 20. Matthew 16. So the first question is what is church? And I mean, obviously there's a lot of different ways to think about that. Others more helpful than others. Um, knowledge about something that is divorced from intimacy with God only serves to puff you up. Yeah? It only makes it only makes us opinionated. It only makes us passionate about an idea but knowledge the, the knowledge that God wants us to have is to push us into greater intimacy with him greater encounters greater knowing okay so we're just going to look at these and we're going to try and simplify them a little bit we're going to try to knock off some of the religious frameworks that we put on them that take us away from this just w- one-on-one encounter with God okay 16, 13 through 20. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah, but still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? Okay, so right then he associates himself with the question before. First he says, Who do you say the son of man is? And then he says, but who do you say that I am? And so he's saying, basically, he's just attributing that title to himself, saying I'm the son of man. But who do you say that I am? Who do you say? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Then he warned the disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. That's a weird warning. All right, let's, let's break this apart really quick. This is a scripture um, that maybe s- some of you know, but in the, in the Catholic Church it is the, um, used for the framework of understanding that Peter... Was the first pope. He was the first head of the church, um, and therefore, the, the infrastructure and the hierarchy of the church requires one person to be the leader. But let's look at it a, a, little, a little different way. So, Peter comes to this revelation that's not from man. Okay? Some preacher up front didn't say, Hey, Jesus is Christ. Okay? He came to that all on his own. Obviously, he had prophecies. You know, from scripture, he, you know, had these things. So they were looking for the Christ. I mean, there was all these messianic movements in Jewish culture. And so there was, they understood what that was. But he associated Jesus as the Christ outside of human wisdom or understanding. And Jesus says, actually, the Father revealed it to him. And, and he says, you are Peter. Peter, um, there is Petros. I have to make sure I get them right. I think it's Petros. Yeah, Petros, which means rock. Do you guys know that? But even more specifically, it means a piece of a rock or a boulder or a piece off of a hole. And then Jesus goes on and he says, And on this rock, Petra, it's a different word, which is the original column forming out of the ground. It is the the hole. It is the origin. And it's uh, 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 on this rock different rock not petros petra i will build my church it's really the only place that one of the only places that jesus says the word church um, which is ecclesia which is was the question what are we doing here what we say well we are the church well what is the church okay we're, we're coming to a definition of that so i don't think jesus is saying on you peter i will build my church but he's saying you are a piece of this whole and because you have this revelation from God about who I am, that is what I am founding my church upon. So the, the church is founded on the knowledge of who Jesus is. So, so we associate with each other for one reason, and well, actually multiple reasons, but, but really one reason and one reason only. Because in some capacity we understand and have a revelation of who Jesus is. Yeah? Amen. So you can turn to your neighbor and you know, turn to your other neighbor on the other side and on some level this person, this Jesus has captivated us. He has captured our interest. He's captured our hearts. He's captured our lives. And we say, we we wanna know more. We wanna this this is intriguing. He turned my life around. Um, it it does get complicated. Sometimes we we use things. We have statements that are so simple and and, and but they're, but they're really not that simple. We say, you know, the, the Christian life, following after Jesus, discipleship, the way, you know, knowing Christ. What does knowing Christ mean? If, this is, if knowing who Jesus is is the prerequisite for being a part of the church, what does, what does it mean to know Christ? So what does it mean to know Christ? If that's the prerequisite for being... A part of the church. What does that mean? What does that mean? To be in right relationship with Jesus. (laughs) Have the Holy Spirit join with your spirit. Anyone else want to take a stab at it? What's that? Fulfilled. Fulfilled. To be fulfilled? Holy Spirit. Be filled by the Holy Spirit. Revelation from the Father. So if, we, if I asked any of you to come up and give us a short synopsis of how you came to Jesus, okay, that's a, a phrase that we, we use to talk about coming to an understanding of who is, it would be different than mine, wouldn't it? And it would probably be different from your neighbor's. Maybe some of you um, came to, to understand um, and to know Jesus because um, someone exemplified forgiveness you in his name and that so radically burst into your framework of condemnation and self-doubt that it was a beautiful thing and you said, I know Jesus. He died and he forgave me. Maybe, maybe some of you um, encountered God in a way. Maybe you got healed and all of a sudden God just became more real than you ever imagined. Maybe some of you just had this deep understanding and security, knowing that you weren't going to face the struggles that you have on your own anymore. So there, there's all these aspects. The, and the important thing here isn't so much the, the revelation that we acquire. It's the revelation that's been given to us. Okay. It's the, it's the encounter. It's the very person of Jesus, the very person of God that gives us security. And, and so regardless of, of where we're at, I'm, I'm fine saying, like, I have a small portion in terms of my revelation of who Jesus is and what he's accomplished and what he wants to do with me. I, I'm, I'm okay. I don't get it all. Do you get it all? I don't. But, but there's something about him that has apprehended me. And my, and my testimony is more about his grasp on me and what he's done in my life, and it is about my grasp on him, okay? A a lot of times, I, I really think this is important. A lot of times in the church, in the Christian body, we make more about what we know, and our confidence and our security is more about our knowledge and our ability to conceive of specific intellectual truths and it isn't in the confidence in the very person of God himself and his ability to keep hold of us and his faithfulness. And, and, we've, and in some ways, we've divorced um, our, our practice of Christianity from the very person of God himself, okay? In some ways, not always, but in some ways. And, and that ultimately perverts then our, the way that we exemplify that truth to the world around us. And, and people, oftentimes in the world, people see the church more clearly than we do ourselves. And they, and they see the church and they say, well, it's just a bunch of people with a bunch of opinions. It's just a, um, you know, a bunch of people who are really passionate about um, you know, homosexuality or abortion or, or like all these you know, things. And I'm not saying it's we should be passionate about those things, but, but we shouldn't be. Um, our lives and our words and our language should more exemplify the person rather than an an idea or a concept or even an opinion about what is right or wrong so the church in some way shape or form i need to go faster are those of us we all know and there's great satisfaction and great contentment in and knowing that god has interacted and come into our lives and revealed himself to us and then we continually grow in that amen okay so why do we teach we're going to break through, we're going to do teaching, worship, and prayer, and we're going to quickly talk about them in the context of the presence of God and having our, our minds focused on the person of God and his, and his presence um, outside of just a, a, a religious practice or something that we think is good to do or something that we feel constrained to do because we feel guilty and want to make God change, you know, his perception of us and stuff, okay? So, so why do we teach? There was already some good answers out there make disciples. What else? What 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 does it do for you me being up here talking about this stuff? What does it do for you? Why why do we why do you like it? What develops, develops faith. Encourages. Encourages. Edifies. Blows your mind. <laughs> we learn. We What's that? Yes. So, so knowledge is an interesting thing, and it's an important thing. It's a necessary thing. The Apostle Paul like, continually prays that we come to a knowledge, right, that we come to a knowledge of Jesus. He even says the true knowledge, right, over and over and over again. There's teaching all over in Scripture. It's so important that the way that we comprehend, the way we understand, the way that we think about God. Levi, who is that guy you quoted earlier today said the way we think about God's most important? Tozer. Tozer. Yeah. What what's the quote? What you think about God is the most important thing about you. Why? Not because you're right or wrong. It's because the way that we think about God and the more and the more true we see Him is the more true we're gonna relate with Him. But the relationship is the important part, not the knowing. Okay, they're connected and, and we need to have right thought and we grow in it. None of us have perfectly right thought, but we grow in our right thought not just to be right but so that it changes the way that we actually, literally, practically engage with the person of God. Yeah. Amen? Okay. All right, so turn to John five thirty-nine through 40. John 5, 39 through 40. Cough when you're there. (laughs) That was a good one. I I sometimes think we take ourselves too seriously, so we need those breaks. All right. It says, you study the scriptures diligently. Does anyone do that? I honestly don't all the time. Because, Because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the various scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me so that you may have life. Okay? There's another scripture in Timothy. It says that people can be ever learning but never coming to a knowledge of the truth. You can, we can be the best biblical scholars. You can know Greek up backwards and forwards. And you can have all the manner of theological whatever you want. And me too. But it doesn't, it do, that does not equal the same thing as coming to the person of Jesus and having a relationship with God himself. It helps. We need it. Our brains are so helpful, right? The way that we, the way that we think about God dictates the way that we relate with him in some ways. But we can think a whole lot about him and never encounter him. Or walk with him. So we teach the reason why you come here on a Tuesday night and someone's always up here talking is because the the challenge is to is to help us open our eyes, right? To give us new understanding. It's to encourage each other to be like, Yeah, you can do it, you know. It's to, to raise faith and awareness of who God is and what he's capable of. Why? not just so that we have a little crunchy to chew on for the week, not so that we can just have a, another opinion to throw at our friends later in the day, It's so that it literally changes the way that we interact and relate with God on a day-to-day basis. And if that, and if the teaching that we, that we receive and, and, and our ability to take that and apply that to our relationship with God doesn't produce something practical, tangible, relational, it's worthless, and just bring earplugs. And b- because it is, you can, we, can, we can puff ourselves up with all the sorts of knowledge and understanding that we want, but unless it in- changes us in, in, into an engagement with God himself, it's worthless. So it doesn't mean that every time you're going to get blown away by what someone tells you, right? But it's, it's, this, it's this openness of heart to the person of God and the Holy Spirit who teaches you all things and reminds you everything that he taught us, right? And so it's actually teaching is a place for encounter so in all of these things we need to start entering into them with expectancy to see god and to to encounter him and to know him more to know is a a, a, in in greek has multiple words um and i don't remember the one but there's one epignosco which is not intellectual knowledge it is first-hand personal experience does anyone know what the other one is the intellectual knowledge one Ido or something. I don't remember. And and that's what we want. And there's go, go sometime, uh, do like a little word study. You know, online is awesome. And you can go and look at all the scriptures and all the verses that, that use Epignosco, where it's not this intellect thing, okay? In, in some ways, it's so strange that we come together all the time and we sit and we listen and talk to someone like this as if we're in school. It's really weird. <laughs> and, and, and our And our... Uh, like our reliance on the person up here to like be our mediator to God is unhealthy. And, and if you look at, at the modern day church, that's how much so much of it is frameworked is that we that, that our relationship with God and the way that we connect with him is actually through another person. It's through the pastor. It's through the worship team. Our worship is dead until it comes to people singing up here. And all of a sudden then we feel like we can connect. And, and our Um, You know our prayer life is dead until we're in a prayer room with someone and they they pray for us and and our Decisions and our thoughts and our practices and the way we relate with God is so Contingent upon the mediators of other people But there's one mediator between God and you and it's Jesus Christ our Lord and we can plug into that source I was I was thinking about this yesterday um, And just about church in general, but about communitas I got the picture of a power strip because we need each other we need encouragement, we need uh, exhortation, we need uh, discipline, um, but it's all for the purpose of nurturing and growing this, this abiding relationship that I personally have with God, that you personally have with God, that you, 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 all of us have personally with God. And it says that abide in the vine and he will abide in you. And apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay, so, so I see this power strip and we're all getting plugged into the power strip and the power strip is like this. Uh, the, it's, what's the word for when you have something? An adapter, right? Because you have this crazy um, electricity flow you know, that's coming from, from the wall, coming from the power lines, and sometimes goes into a source that can't quite take all that power. And so you have an adapter to, to kind of regulate the flow so it actually means something to you know that computer or iPad or whatever so that it doesn't fry. Um, but, but So we get plugged into these different areas and these different... Um, churches and groups and networks and communities that we need to, to facilitate growth in us, to encourage us. But it's not really about that group. It's about the power source that's running through it. And, and what we need to do is we need to have eyes to start seeing the power source and to start looking at all these things, teaching, worship, prayer in light of the person of God rather than the practice in and of themselves and it's going to bring such a vibrance and it's going to bring such a life and such a, such a realness to it apart from just a a religious exercise. Water break. Someone say something funny. All right. So what is worship? Worship. Music. Yeah, it can be music. What else? Glory to God. Man, I've heard that one a lot today. That's a good one. What else? music? Adoration. Acknowledging God's God's worth. Yeah. All right. So we get, we get all these people in a room together, all of us, right? What do we have in common? We, we know Jesus on some level, right? And man, that should produce some affection for him in us, shouldn't it? (laughs) Where we'd be like, wow, there's something to him man, he's pretty cool. He's pretty amazing. Okay. Worship isn't music, although it can be expressed in music. It's not even specific words we say, although words we say can framework our intent and our focus to God in our worship. The way that and I want to simplify this again, because we get, we get stuck, right? We get stuck in religious framework. We're like, I need to worship. or I feel like I have to, or I'm going to worship again, you know? And <laughs> And, 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 it's, and it becomes divorced from intimacy. It becomes divorced from the person of God, and it becomes garbage. Matthew 15:8 says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Okay, we don't want that. I don't want that. I've done it. I fake it, you know, and, and I come in and, and feel obligated to worship, and so then I say words and sing songs that are on the screen and raise my hands and put my hands out, you know, and, and do the stuff without having any... Um, semblance of, of a knowledge of an epignosco of God in that moment. And, and it's pretty strange um, when, we, when we think about just normal human experience, right? Especially in our Midwest culture, we're generally pretty reserved, right? That's an understatement. And, but, but not really, okay? Think about a sports game. You can have the most reserved Norwegian father. You put him in front of that television and a Vikings game is going on. What's his reaction going to be? It's going to be exuberant. It's going to be ecstatic. The excitement boils up and just needs to be expressed, right? Because there's an investment in the game. There's, there's, there's importance placed on that. And then the, the expression that is produced out of that present in, encounter is pure and real even though it's kind of (laughs) weird and maybe idolatrous but maybe not it's okay to get excited but then just think okay that's one human encounter now think about when your friend gets engaged or like my brother could call me anytime because my sister-in-law is gonna have a baby any second okay um And hopefully any second. She's not in labor now, but she could be any any second. And and my reaction, my response to that news or to those people is going to reflect my relationship with them. Because I love them and I'm invested in them and they're in me, I'm going to be pretty excited, aren't I? And my affection for that event is going to produce an expression from me, worship. Okay, that is worship. That, that expression of affection to God, for God. But then we get in the church, and then we, then we come to God, and we think that he wants some sort of pre-packaged, pre uh, thing that we give him because we think it's a good idea. And we say, well, he likes certain words, and he likes certain phrases, and he likes certain melodies, and so I am going to tell them to him. Or, or we just fake it because we feel guilty and we think that we should worship him. But wouldn't it be cool if we saw God in such an intimate way that the response, the affection that spilled out of us, the response we had to him was natural? It's just because like I'm invested in him, I know him, he knows me, he did something. Wow. Woo! You know? We we take almost all of the humanness out of it when we talk, start doing start talking about worship and in prayer. Now it is okay to be serious and, and it's great. And sometimes when we're, when we're struggling and we don't necessarily feel super joyful or ecstatic, there is definitely a place to continue to, to glorify and worship God. There's this deep you know, semblance that, that comes from past experience and a deep knowledge of who God is that still pushes us to worship him even if we don't feel like it. Okay, I, th- There is a valid place for that. So I'm not saying, but I, what I'm talking about is the religious framework that causes us to, to try to um, you know, worship God out of an unhealthy in an unhealthy way, okay? And what we're pushing for is the greater and the more true that we see God on a day-to-day basis, the more pure, honest will my, will my response be to him. Amen? So when we come together and we worship together, it's not about the words, it's not about the lyrics, it's not about the tune, it's about the person of God. And when we start seeing it that way, man, it's going to be just so vibrant. And, and there's going to be... Uh, what we call the presence of God says he is enthroned on our praise you guys still doing okay I'm kind of going a little long last one but for real like you could tell me if you're like bored That's, that's like another one of those things like where we're really hesitant you know to like be honest I really love honesty okay prayer what's prayer Yes, communication with God. Asking God for something. Yep. So this one's not very hard one to explain how important a knowledge of the person of God is necessary for prayer. (laughs) I mean, that's prayer is the very uh, is almost the relationship itself. You know, in in some ways, it's it's the main communication. Just it's like you said, it's communication. It's talking to God. And, and our knowledge starts changing the way we communicate and the way we listen, right? Because all of a sudden we learn, we hear in James, ask for wisdom, surely you're gonna get wisdom. We hear Jesus ask and your heavenly father will y- respond. We, we see that, that sheep hear the shepherd's voice. We start you know, learning in, in this understanding and our, our understanding grows about maybe hearing the voice of God or, or prayer but the purpose, again, of that understanding is to change the very context of our relationship with him. And if we miss the, the change and the, and the engagement with the Father himself and with the Holy Spirit himself, then again, the knowledge is, is, is useless. Um, Matthew 6.5. Jesus says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Again, there's, a, there's a, a prayer life that we can have that is primarily done out of obligation and that is divorced from intimacy. Raise your hand if you've experienced that. I have. And again, it's okay to pray and to ask God without even having a ton kind of faith that he's going to answer back or even having an experience that is going to do what, you're, what, it, what it's doing it's this intentionality coming from you to God that's saying, I want to r- relate with you. I want to trust you. I want to know you. I want to know this, and I want to know that. And we, and we start walking in this established connection with the person of God that starts fueling us on a level that some sort of just like, you know, process that we, that we put ourselves in. And he loves it when we're honest, too. He loves it when we're honest and we grow um, in our intimacy with him. We, we grow in our ability to hear his voice and our confidence um, in, in praying and asking and proclaiming um, things. We, we grow in that, but, it, but it's not a, it's a fun thing. So, we can simplify all these things. We're together because we've all seen Jesus. How cool. None of us see him fully. We better learn more about him. Someone should teach us. That'd be great. (laughs) And then we learn some more things about him. And it fuels our encounter with him. And all of a sudden, we're like, God's so amazing. He's so great. He's just, whoa, worship. There it is. And then you take the whoa, and you start putting it to melody and harmony. And then it becomes a cool song that you can do corporately. And then you put words to it and, and that, that start, you know, start communicating your heart affection for God and it, and it makes this awesome corporate and individual um, just overflow of, of praise and adoration that comes from a personal epignoscope, first hand personal experience of God. I know him and it's wonderful and this is who my God is. But we don't need to fake it. Just be honest. And then because we start, we know that God is real, even though he's invisible, and sometimes it's kind of weird, like how he talks to us and answers us, and we experience him, Um, and sometimes we don't experience him at all, and it feels weird, and we feel so isolated and distraught and depressed, um, and that's okay, but then we realize, oh, I can talk to him, and soon we start talking, and it's hard sometimes, and it's difficult sometimes, and and we decide to put a routine on it, because we're like, man, this is just so strenuous sometimes, talking to an invisible man, and but we start relating, we start intentionally, acknowledge God in all your ways, and he will make your pastor. I'd seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And we, we start relating to God in the spirit, just person on person, when we start seeing things in our life produced, all of a sudden I have peace that passes understanding. I have, all of a sudden I have joy unspeakable and full of glory. All of a sudden I have love that surpasses knowledge, and the Holy Spirit fills us with love, gives us confidence, gives us boldness, because we're relating on the person of God, rather than just on a religious formula to, to structure our lives and make us feel better before our understanding of God. Does this make sense? So, so how do we tell the difference between, on one hand, um, we have you know, just practice and, and religion, and most of the time they're intertwined, and so it's not this clean cut, but this is just for helpful for understanding, that there's this religious framework that we choose to participate in because we feel like we ought to, and then there's this, um, you know, we see the person of God, we just want him, himself... Um, how, do we, how do we know when we're doing it right, for lack of a, a better way to say it? Well, we ultimately, because we start seeing the flow, right? The peace, the joy, the fruits of the Spirit start being produced in our lives, the, the boldness. We start seeing um, effects of God's presence in our lives. This trust relationship relying on the very person of God starts causing us to live in a way that is different than we were before. Yeah? And that's just awesome because it says in 2 Corinthians 3 that we're being transformed from glory to glory and ever-increasing glory. But it's about the presence of God. And so then any change, any confidence that we have, any effort, any semblance of um, true knowledge that we have and joy that we have in expressing to God and, and, and desire to share him with other people, we all reflects back to the source of of what we're plugged into, which is God himself, and we don't claim anything is coming from ourselves, but we start claiming everything is coming from the Father, but it's through this trust. It's an intentional trusting relationship of abiding and, and, and walking in the Spirit, which we all forget to do, and we all get confused about, and we all check out during the day, and we stop just the simple acknowledgement of God. I'm going to read a passage from Brother Lawrence, then we're going to be done. Does you know who Brother Lawrence is? Yeah. So he's a monk dude. And he, um, there's a book about him called Practicing the Presence. And he uh, washed dishes for years. That was his job. He washed dishes. So um, those of you who complain about your job, he washed dishes. And let's see how, and, and people would come from miles from miles to come watch him wash dishes you know why because he was sitting there washing dishes Ah, Jesus! he was so in tune he was so trusting and reliant he was in this just continual place of of talking with the father of relying on the spirit that he didn't care what he was doing so this is brother lawrence For the first year, I commonly employed myself during the time set apart for devotion with the thought of death, judgment, heaven, hell, and my sins. Same to relate to that? Maybe since you first, you know, when you started coming to the Lord or still or, you know, for a while, I think these generally take up our time. He says, I thought of death, judgment, heaven, hell, and my sins. Thus continued some years, applying my mind carefully the rest of the day. And even in the midst of my busyness, to the presence of God, whom I considered always as with me, often as in me. At length, I came insensibly to the same thing during my set time of prayer, which caused in me great delight and consolation. This practice produced in me so high an esteem for God that faith alone was capable to satisfy me in that point. Such was my beginning, and yet I must tell you that for the first 10 years, I suffered much. So this is a long time, 10 years. We are not a patient folk, are we? Two weeks into something, we're like, why hasn't this changed? Why hasn't the answer come? You know, how come this, you know, hasn't happened? And Jesus waited 30 years before he went into the ministry, and the Apostle Paul went off for 10 years before he came back and did anything. And we're like, where is my healing ministry? Where is my pulpit that I can preach from? Anyway, for the first 10 years, I suffered much. The apprehension that I was not devoted to God as I wished to be. Anyone have that apprehension? Oh, no, I'm not devoted to God as much as I should. I'm not walking with him the way I should. I'm not confident in him, or I don't have as much worship and praise as I should. Should, should, should. It's a tough thing. The apprehension that I was not devoted to God as I wished to be. My past sins always present to my mind. Some of us can relate to that. And the great unmerited favors which God did me were the matter and source of my sufferings. During this time I fell often, and rose again presently, It seemed to me that all creatures, reason and God himself were against me and faith alone for me. I was troubled sometimes with thoughts that to believe I had received such favors was an an effect of my presumption. This favor he's talking about is the experience of the presence which I pretended to be at once where others arrive with difficulty. At other times that it was a willful delusion and that there was no salvation for me. When I thought of nothing but to end my days in these troubles, which did not at all diminish the trust I had in God and which served only to increase my faith. That's pretty powerful. I found myself changed all at once. And my soul, which till that time was in trouble, felt a profound inward peace. Who needs that today? As if she were in her center and place of rest. Ever since that time, I walk before God simply in faith, with humility and with love, and I apply myself diligently to do nothing and to think nothing which may displease him. I hope that when I have done what I can, he will do with me what he pleases. As for what passes with me at present, I cannot express it. I have no pain or difficulty about my state because I have no will but that of God which I endeavor to accomplish in all things into which I am so resigned that I would not take up a straw from the ground against his order or from any other motive than purely that of love to him. This is interesting. I have quitted all forms of devotion and set prayers But those to which my state obliges me. And I make it my business only to persevere in his holy presence, wherein I keep myself by a simple attention and a general fond regard to God. God. Right? Which I may call an actual presence of God. Or to speak better, a habitual, silent, and secret conversation of the soul with God, which often causes me joys and raptures inwardly, and sometimes also outwardly, so great that I am forced to use means to moderate them and prevent their appearance to others. (laughs) I want to rely on the person of God so much that my life is sustained by this person, that my trust and dependence on him will will go above and beyond the constraints of religion, and I should and shouldn't, and and that my prayer and my worship and the way that I hear someone teaching and the way that we interact as a church is all about knowing Father God himself through Christ Jesus by way of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Put your hand on your neighbor. Micah, you can come up. If you want it for yourself, you want it for your neighbor too. Just spend just a moment, just intentionally acknowledge the Father, the Holy Spirit, and say, in all your honesty, however that comes out, God, meet them. Father, meet them. Turn our hearts to you, God. Break down walls that prevent us from relating with you honestly, God. Break down barriers that keep us from honestly expressing ourselves, God, because we feel like we should be producing more, God, or, or whatever, God. Just help us to be honest with where we're at, with how we see you, Father God, because you are worth it. You are marvelous, God. You have changed us. You have encountered us on some level, and we are entranced by you. Entrance us further. Help us to see you more clearly as we worship together inhabit our praises. Help us to keep our focus on you. In Jesus' name.